1: Not everybody, but several of you uh, were with us a few weeks ago when we were fortunate enough to have, again, uh, Dale Wright talking to us, and he spoke in part about the tension or the dynamic between control and letting go. Oh, let me say here, too, before I begin... I wind up thinking on my feet a lot and consequently can run on quite a bit. I think this talk can actually stop anywhere. So, um, and we'll be able to do something, I hope. So uh, anybody, if you're noticing that, just, you know, you can do like this or let me know. Okay. So, so Dale Wright was with us and he was talking about the dynamic between control and letting go. We spoke of that largely sort of in the frame of zazen, Is that part, but I think it applies to practice more generally. And it left me with this question. I don't know if it's a good question or not, but this idea of balance in practice. Um, and um, what this talk is about, as much as anything, um or unless you can help me identify something else, it's about why practice is more like, um, less like balancing an egg. I mean, the, the long way, uh, and more like riding a bicycle. And I hope this will make sense to you as I go along. But first, this idea of, of balance is kind of a funny word, actually, in the context of Buddhism or practice, um, it sounds really, really Buddhist, right? Uh, but in fact, it's a little bit like the notion of gratitude, maybe. That is that uh, no matter how much we talk about gratitude in contemporary Buddhist circles, it's simply not a word that uh, comes up that much when you read the texts. But somehow the notion of gratitude resonates so strongly with Dharma we've heard that it seems kind of inherent in it. It seems like a part of it. It's natural to talk about it. And I find myself wondering is is balance the same? Um, is balance in practice? Um, it sort of seems like it should be part of the vocabulary. And um, there are certainly overlapping terms. I mean we have I'm sure I'm sure that if if the you know if we had an Abhidharma expert here, um, somebody could come up with some words that would touch on the the notion of balance. Um, uh, but the only word that comes to mind is equanimity, and of course, this is from the uh, one of the four uh, divine abodes, as we say. And and actually, this is more from the um, the southern tradition than our own.
2: Um, However,
1: so I I think there can be a conversation about it, but I think if we go astray, if we think, as I am apt to do, um, as a balance, as a kind of state, and I think it's better conceived as a kind of activity, um, and I hope this will be kind of clear, become clear what I'm sort of getting at. And frankly, the reason the term presented itself to my mind um, uh, during Dale Wright's talk is because on this side of whatever stage of the pandemic we are in, I'm acutely aware that many of the structures of my own situation, the conditions of my own situations have really changed. And I'm kind of um coming to still coming to terms with this subjectively. Um, I feel out of balance, frankly, and I have a desire to, quote, fix that, to rebalance things. And, you know, this, uh, this is appearing in a number of different sort of, uh, arenas of my life, but just, you know, to point to a very easy example, um, uh, it feels really weird that it's been so long since I've seen any of you in person, with the exception, I think, of Douglas. Um, and that I'm not, my practice is not um, uh, primarily unfolding now in the context of going up to the temple and so on, um, except in so far as I meet people online. Um, but this thing I said, the desire to sort of fix things, right, whatever that might be, I think should kind of set off alarm bells or, or alert me to something because...
2: We're often told that neither
1: ourselves are the world, are the sorts of things that in some sense can be fixed or repaired, right? Um, once and for all. They're not going to be pinned down. Um, this does not mean that we don't go about uh trying to fix things and trying to rebalance things. Um of course we do. Um and this is this is kind of built in. Um but it's a little little sketchy, I think, as a notion. Um, The reason is because the kind of balance that would try to pin things down is a bit counterproductive, at least in practice, I think, and perhaps even dangerous. Um, Pyrdhal expresses some of this, I think, in the Song of the Grass Hut, which was part of the reason I wanted to chant it, other than the fact that it's kind of flat out, one of my very favorite texts. Um, he notes that by the time he had his hut built, new weeds and grasses were already growing out of the top of it, right? Um,
2: that's kind of
1: like the way our lives are, in a sense, um Even as we go about the project of living it, of putting it together, of putting ourselves together, of assembling a personage and um, acting in the world, um, it's always already kind of falling apart. That's kind of built in. Um, It's kind of the notion, um, you know, that the way that the process of living and the process of dying in some sense are, you know, it's the same um, truly Um, but he has really good advice for this kind of very pervasive situation he says and I quote uh, bind grasses together and don't give up let go of hundreds of years and relax completely I mean right here we have exactly that dynamic that that, um, that Dale Wright was talking about you know, between relaxation and giving up, um, or for not giving up, excuse me. Um and you know, the 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 idea is directly a butt, find grasses, don't give up, let go of a hundred years, of hundreds of years, relax completely. And I think I was kind of playing with this and I realized it even kind of works if we sort of, you know, that polarity, if you will, um kind of works even when we mix up the lines. So we could say, bind grasses together and relax completely. Or let go of hundreds of years and don't give up. There's always going to be these two sides to, to things. So how do they relate? Um, so there's we need both. Um, both the side of letting go and the side of working with the sort of wild, unpredictable, falling apart, coming together,
2: uh, situation of our lives, of our intentions, our commitments, our vow, all this kind of stuff.
1: I'm glad that Taiga and Hogetsu, Douglas, other people are here because they can uh Amend anything I might say that goes astray here, um, but grasses just to, to take this image from from Chico's poem, um, they're they're interesting. They've got this polarity too, in a sense, in the sense that on the one hand, in the literature, in our text, you know, they often sort of have the signification of negative things we talked about. um, uh, Especially delusion. Weeds, uh, grasses, you know, these things that spring up in this uncontrollable way. Um, And delusion's a problem, they say, we say. Well, yes and no. Because we also learn that there is a Buddha sitting on every type of grass, right? Um, Each blade is a throne, at least Zafu, and we do not need or even want to get rid of all the grasses. It would be impossible anyway, but it's not particularly a desirable thing. Um, and it may be. I, I really think, I mean, there are many styles of Buddhist practice um, in which that language is adapted. Um, it's also... Uh, emerges again and again and again in the Zen literature. Um, and we kind of buy into it, right? We, we want one thing, a good thing, and we don't want another thing, a bad thing. We want to wake up, we want enlightenment, and we want to, to push delusion aside. We want to be done with it. Um, there's, in this kind of antinomy, there's an asymmetry. Um, we value one more than another. Um, but there's also plenty to suggest, uh, that this is a limited way of looking at things. With that in mind, um, I want to briefly touch on a koan that I think most of us are probably familiar with and, uh, um, uh, much has been said about it, and I'm just gonna pick up on one little aspect of it, which I hadn't noticed before until I was thinking about this, and at least not noticed it quite this way. So I'm just gonna read it. Um, uh, it's number 89 in the Book of Serenity, which is Dongshan's No Grass. Um, I'm going to just read the introductory remarks and it's in the case, it's very short, and I hope, uh, you know, I may come back to one or two other lines, but but here we go. Case 89, Dongshan Snow Grouse, introduction. Move, and you bury your body 10,000 feet deep. Don't move,
2: and sprouts grow right where you are. You must
1: cast off both sides and let the middle go. Then you must buy some sandals and travel some more before you you will really attain realization. Okay, this is the case. Um it's the well it's self-explanatory. Uh, Bongshan said to the assembly, It's the beginning of autumn, the end of summer, and you brethren will go, some to the east, some to the west. You must go where there's not an inch of grass for 10,000
2: miles. He also said, but where there's not an inch
1: of grass for 10,000 miles, how can you go? Xuang said, going out the gate, immediately there is grass. Dayong said, I'd say not even going out the gate, still the grass is boundless. So what's going on here? Um, it's the end of Ango. it's the end of the summer ongo uh, concentrated meditation period, both in the sense of uh, intense practice but uh, a congregation of people coming together um, who will now disperse. and Bong um, Shan, uh, I it's apparent from the the language of the case is the is the apple the teacher in this case, even though these other fellows, Yang and Shishong,
2: are also teachers.
1: One way, you know, initially, I think looking back long, long ago, when I first saw this case, first read this case, it seemed like uh, Dongshan kind of presenting something. and And then these other guys kind of you know, so Shirshang sort of amending it and then, then Da Yang coming in behind and going, no, this is the real deal, which in a way, that's what's happening. But I think a better way to understand it, perhaps, is that, um, these are three people talking to one another to jointly produce the, the richest, the fullest understanding that they can. In other words, it's not a contest. However, I think it's kind of posed in this way. Um, Dongshan comes
2: out and, and he says, um, um,
1: you must go where there's not an inch of grass for 10,000 miles. Now, one easy way to understand not an inch of grass for 10,000 miles, uh, is to, we could say, okay, grass here, this is delusion or, or the problems in practice. Um, and you got to get away from that. You got to escape from that. Um, uh, uh, you know, and, and so part of the con, another sort of nuance of that is, okay, um, we've been here practicing together very intently, very seriously. Uh, now you're going to step through the gate. Keep it up. Uh, keep, keep that samadhi rolling. Keep that, uh, Keep your, your practice looking the same, that kind of thing. Um, but I don't think this is what it is. And, and I think that actually, um, I think that, that, uh, Dongshan is kind of getting this conversation going by throwing out kind of a red herring. Um, or one way to think of it is we could think he's even, okay, you guys have been, you know, Sitting on these cushions for three months, uh, you know, show me what you got. Um in other words, it's a kind of a test of their understanding, in which in my view, I think they both did rather well, or
2: they all did rather
1: well together. Now there's a line there somewhere in in the added um
2: in the added sayings.
1: Uh, yeah, yes, so the very first one. Uh the the comment person who had this saying says, um, in response to you must go where there's not an inch of grass, he says he's luring cats into a dry well. Um in other words, he's kind of uh it's a trick question. He's trying to to kind of uh Throw off a distraction and, uh, see if they take the bait. And they don't.
2: They don't. Um, they're already, they, they see that
1: grass's delusion is, is not a function of being inside the temple or outside the temple or standing on the threshold and trying to have it both ways. Uh,
2: It's not a matter of uh, trying to
1: hold on to or or get a hold of something pristine in our experience of zazen um, that we then uh, lose in
2: some sense. So,
1: so I think these answers are, I mean, it's all it's, it's, it's as if they're looking at each other and they see, oh yeah, grasses are already coming up between your toes, you know, maybe they're popping out of Gongshan's eyeballs. You know, grasses here, grasses there, grasses, grasses everywhere. Um,
2: and if this is the case, the integrity of their practice can't be a
1: matter of sort of going out either sitting on your cushion and sort of extirpating grasses or stepping outside the temple gate and trying to mow and uh, dump Monsanto chemicals on everything that's popping up in every crack of the sidewalk. It's not going to happen. In the same way, I think part of what is here and in so many of our texts is this assertion
2: that waking up does not depend
1: on getting rid of pollution. Exactly. I mean, of course, there's that sort of element we try to always sort of lean into awakening and away from pollution naturally. But, uh, it can't be that um you know uh, I't know Genjo Col uh you know Dogan talks about uh the way that uh, you are not divided by awakening and the way that uh enlightenment or being awake and delusion do not obstruct one another, you know, I'm sure this echoes with the four Dharmila doctrines, all that stuff, Leave that aside um. And it is how we think about the relationship between awakening and delusion that is ultimately behind, you know, the apparent antinomy conflict between, on the one hand, letting go, and on the other hand, uh, being in control, like not being passive in our practice, but actually taking agency, actually um, bringing to bear intention about all those kinds of things. But it's not about waking up, I don't think it can be um about getting rid of delusion. you know, maybe it comes and goes, maybe it the a little bit sometimes, but uh it's probably not going to happen, and it probably
2: in some sense shouldn't happen doesn't need to happen. We let go completely and we. We attend to the difficulties
1: of our lives and practice. We attend to the difficulties of our lives in practice. We practice in the difficulties of our lives. I mean,
2: there is there is no temple gate. That's one way of thinking about it. Um, in Sandokai, there's the line, light and dark oppose one another, like the front and back foot in walking.
1: My attention, I I noticed this a few weeks back in a conversation here. Um, And again, my attention comes to this line, uh, this, this phrase, oppose one another. The front and back foot oppose
2: one another. But
1: it would be a mistake to fixate too much on this opposition the bigger image is of walking it's of going forward it's of taking the next step in your practice and again uh this seems to be part of being the introduction to uh the case where you know with the the line in the last sentence then you must buy some sandals and travel some more you got to just keep
2: keep moving um
1: so so yes, light and dark, awakening and delusion oppose one another in some sense. But when we think about walking, and of course, what I'm trying to say here, I think about also in practice, this opposition is kind of a necessary precondition. And that is, in some sense, the front and the back foot in walking don't only oppose each other, they are supports of each other. They they function together. Um, if I had a million years, I'd, you know, read Zenki again and make a, a, a bigger talk. But I'm not going to do that or inflict that on people. So um, and when we walk,
2: what happens there? The front foot becomes the back foot. Back foot becomes the front foot. Either that or you stop walking. You stop walking. In the light there is darkness, but don't take it as darkness in the dark there is light, but don't take it as light. Just keep letting it spin, but it's not a it's not a uncontrolled spinning,
1: not completely controlled or completely uncontrolled, but I guess the point I'm trying to make is that in
2: this. Revolution, um, our intentionality, our vow matters, right?
1: Um, someone, again here at some point, and I think it was Taigen, uh, said something about walking. You know, because we've had this conversation before, and we've discussed this image before. And uh, and uh, Taigen or somebody else said, well, you know, walking—that's just controlled falling. I don't know if that's an original thought, but it's very it seems
2: very true. In other words, the whole
1: situation of, of not being dead, of moving forward, uh, inherently involves this dynamic of
2: losing balance and coming into balance,
1: perhaps toppling over, kind of leaning in the same direction, perhaps going too far the other way. But there's constant, it's a dance, it's a dance. And
2: that is why it's not
1: balancing an egg, right? Um, I suppose it can be done. I've never witnessed it personally. Um, but when you think about that, that's probably the most unstable situation in which an egg could actually be. Because the slightest breath, the slightest tremor is going to topple it
2: over. Um, on the other
1: hand when we ride a bicycle so so walking is a good image but I think riding a bicycle is even a, a more interesting image because there clearly is this moment to moment uh, coming back into alignment without ever actually abiding there um, it's just this constant kind of thing. And actually in that situation, I, as a bicyclist, and I'm sure that others of you have that experience, you're much more stable, um, uh, moving forward and actually moving forward with a bit of, uh, with a bit of energy, with a bit of speed, right? Um, it's not a matter of getting it exactly right. I've seen guys balance on bicycles, you know, for a minute or two minutes, pretty impressive. I think they have to work really hard because it's inherently a really unstable situation. Now, this is not to say that enlightenment and delusion are precisely the same, although there are broad swathes of Mahayana thinking that uh, uh, make that assertion, and uh, I think it's true. Um, It's also something that uh, to unpack it skillfully and convey the full sense of that is something that's beyond me, um,
2: probably most of us. Um, So, yeah, I I don't really have a conclusion other than just to say that
1: It's probably best not to, to think of our practice as trying to get it right, trying to, to get it arranged. And I would even suggest that um, if you're feeling that way, if you're feeling like your practice is really together, um, I hope that's true. But I think uh, um, is a situation that would probably invite a little scrutiny. Um,
2: um Yeah, I
1: think that's enough I'll let it go there and uh, maybe people have some some responses. Thank you.
2: Perfectly on time for discussion. Excellent. Thank you. It's the first for me. Something?
1: Um Asian has her hand raised.
0: Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Um, thanks for a really nice talk and bringing out one of the, one of the, a nice finer point to, to ponder. Um, I just wanted to comment on two things. I was thinking about, um, as you were talking, the line from Song in the Grass Hut, living here, he no longer works to get free. And, I, and how that line, you know, nicely exemplifies, I think, what you're trying to talk about, except I was really caught on the living here, like, like, what do you mean living here? Like, where? That Because that starts to sound sort of static. But when you brought the bike metaphor back in, I, um, I thought maybe that tied in well, because when you're riding a bike, um, it is a dynamic balance, but we're also not solely responsible for that balance because the reason that like if you try to sit on your bike without moving you're just going to fall over but because of you know we're in what we're in balance with is the laws of physics and the way that things work Um, because there are principles in, in operation, like, you know, a body in motion stays in motion. The, you know, the bike actually wants to stay upright unless you – because of where, exactly where it is encountering the pavement. And that, I think, really speaks to living here, like the idea of living here, living in this in – within accordance with, you know, things as it is. We can live in such a way that we no longer work to get free. And, and we're in that
1: balance, yeah, thank you. That's really interesting. I mean, um it's true that when you um, are moving forward on a bicycle, um, other forces support you in that, and I think the thing I think it's also true in practice um you know, I didn't want to bring it into to the conversation or to the talk tonight, but I'll just note here also that line when I was just kind of mulling things over today, working here, he no longer, uh, or living here, he no longer works to get free. Again, for the first time, I mean, this really resonated with some of the other things I was thinking about. And for the first time, I think ever, I kind of understood that line as kind of... um, a statement of the bodhisattva the bodhisattva path right i mean it it echoes really strongly with this idea of you know don't go around you know looking for a situation you know don't check out and go to whether whoever shakyamuni's hanging out uh stick around uh have a scroll in the grass do your best to help um and um uh, and however it looks, you will be supported in that.
0: And I think that activity also is um, looking at what you're doing. You know, just with with all the, as part of practice, just paying paying attention to you know what's going on here and what what am I doing here?
2: Yeah.
3: Um, yes. Again. Yeah, um thank you. <clears throat> thank you, Aishan. Um I just uh kept going back to where you started, this sense this idea of balance. Uh so uh I think you were talking about relationship actually. Um that uh, so there's Sugi Roshi saying we're always losing our balance against the background of perfect balance. So there's a dynamic relationship involved in what you're talking about that you can't find. You know the upright egg, um, and I was thinking of Sando Kai, the, the the harmony of difference and sameness. That character Kai actually means to to this so way, it's torny, but it's also a fitting together. Again, you you broke, you broke uh, up there. I... There's a dance about. Okay, uh, sorry. Um, yeah, the, the uh, sando kai, the harmony of difference and sameness, the word that we translate as harmony, also literally that character means to fit two things fitting together perfectly, like pieces of puzzle matching. So there's this sense of... So, what, so I, I agree with your s- saying that the idea, ideal of balance isn't exactly it, but there's a dynamic... Um, Relationships somehow you know also with silence and illumination and the guy pushed to on illumination you meet both are part of the part of the dynamic so um i don't know i just you you had me thinking about um polarity and relationship and and how it's not we can't set some rigid idea of what it is it's being alive is Kind of messy, <laughs> and uh, um, so how do we find a way of uh, uh, interacting with uh, the, these these polarities? And uh, uh, so anyway, they, I'm just throwing in a bunch of words to amplify balance, harmony, and and uh, so forth. So anyway, that's what came up for me.
1: Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, it's really. <laughs> Well, the the harmony of difference and sameness, um, in many ways, it um, as you pointed out, it 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 uh, addresses at least the same kind of seeming problem, uh, but in such a way that to show that no, this is not this is not a problem. This is just how things work. This is just what practice looks like in the same way that sickness, old age and death are just what human life looks like. It's not, it's not, that there's a problem there. It's just that, I mean, there is for us, and from a egocentric point of view, but it's just a particular form. It's the way that, that this is a form that life, human life takes. Um, and similarly, I don't know. I mean, it's really hard. Harmony, difference, and sameness. You know, we could say, okay, uh, you're going east, and Dayang, you're going west. Um, different directions. And it's not like it doesn't matter where anybody goes or when anybody does. I mean, Suzuki Roshi talks about, um, sometimes uses the image of, of a railroad track. It's boom, a straight direction. And for some purposes, that probably works. But I don't think that's not been my experience of practice. It's it's been quite meandering, and I'm starting to um, accept that it may always be this way. Um, and so, so it's less a matter you know, to sort of spin off on another analogy or metaphor. It's less a matter. It's not balance. Less a matter of being straight you know, the path can go any way. But what makes a difference where, you know, so the harmony of difference and sameness, the harmony of enlightenment and delusion. So yes, there's a, there's harmony, they work together, and there's equality. But it's not a matter of indifference which way we go, right? We, we will always be scrolling through delusion. But... Um, not in an idle way. And by that I mean uh, that even though the path is not straight, if at every moment, or at least as many moments as you can manage, you are turning toward Buddha, turning toward Dharma, wherever it appears, turning toward Sangha. You may be going like this, you know, shooting off in every direction, but as as long as you maintain that Sincerity, that vow, um, I'm not going to say you're going to get anywhere, but you're going to be walking in the right direction. Uh,
2: Patrick has his hand up. (laughs) <laughs> Patrick. Hi, thank you for your talk. Um, I, uh, I appreciate, um, the discussion about
4: walking and, and, um, opposites or this harmony of differences. Um,
2: I, uh, I've thought about walking a lot
4: um and uh the first image that came into my head was the ministry for silly walks um It's all walking forward. we just might look a little different when we do it um <laughs> and the I, the idea of um opposites um I think there's a lot to explore, just the body connection of of opposites as we walk um because everything's connected our, our feet might be separate but our legs are connected by our hips and so in order um that first step um the opposite hip goes back um and with your um just thinking about this you can turn your hips and that brings the other foot forward and so you can have a silly walk, like think of like pulling your leg. Um, um, so you're still moving forward, but the body motion is backwards. Um uh in a linear sense, but in a circular sense, it's all working towards the same uh spiral. Um and I, and I feel like that resonates with me on, on the language you described as sort of a meandering path that it's this maybe spiral shape that's moving in a linear direction. Um, and, and along those lines, I, I got the image of, um, of the solar system. Um, what I, um, saw in grade school textbook is just circles yeah um the concentric circles right and i saw this um a couple years ago now uh i saw this beautiful 3d illustration of the solar system and in actuality as the sun moves the planets spiral around um this like beautiful corkscrew motion around the sun Um, so even though our General direction might be straight on the path, or um, our overall individual direction might be meandering, but we're walking all towards uh, that same point or goal. Uh, so I just wanted to say I appreciated your discussion.
1: Thank you. I suppose this is, you know, the message of the Lotus Sutra as well. Is like you all think you're. You all seem to be walking off in different directions and doing your different silly walks, um, thinking you're going to get someplace else. But it turns out, um, you know, maybe take the more solar system view that you're, one, uh, you're not all going off in different directions. And two, your walks are not silly. They're very nice walks. I, I couldn't
2: help but
4: flash on, um, uh Michael Jackson's moonwalk although he didn't invent the moonwalk but um he perfected it I'm, I'm sure but um if we think of the step forward as a control of energy and the step backward as the release of energy uh, what the uh, uh the dharma talk was last, last week um uh, it's it, it's possible to have that exact same formulation the exact same motion but go
2: backwards so you can, you can you can go that way too thank you um i'm gonna have to uh
1: i'm gonna have to chew on that one a bit. I don't have an immediate uh response uh, watch watch the motown show okay <laughs> with pleasure no doubt
2: um yeah uh Katie also has her hand up hi kitty. Hi. Um,
0: Thanks so much for your talk. I I, I guess what I have to say is somewhat superficial, but um, for some reason listening to your talk, um, this is the first time I I realized that uh, recognizing something as delusion doesn't stop it for being delusion. Um, uh,
1: my internet is not stable. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm really sorry. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not hearing you. Did other people hear? Did somebody? Uh, okay. No, Katie, if
4: you. <laughs>
1: If you turn off your video, then your audio should come through better.
4: Not for you. Okay. Uh, okay.
2: Any better? So far. Oh, did you say something?
1: I was, <laughs> No, it wasn't better. I didn't hear anything. I, I, I heard, is it any better? It was very clear. I'm sorry, Katie. I didn't hear.
2: Plenty of dharma gates in the digital age. Yeah.
1: Uh, well, we're we're about at the time where we need to wrap up. Um, if there's a final, uh, Katie, why you're welcome to email in. Of course, <laughs> um, we don't want to not let you say what you have to say. Um, but if maybe there's time for one more comment, if someone. Has a, a parting shot, Ken. Go ahead.
5: Yes, the what I what I took from from the talk was um, uh, the the notion of balance in relation to delusion, and I I was trying to remember who it was that that, that I, where I read this, but that ninety percent of what we think we know is delusion, um, and what and what I took from it. And in particular, it was one line of the reading that stuck with me, that which uh, um, something I can't remember the first part, but he no longer struggles to be free. And so what I kind of took from it is that, this, that the kind of balance that we seek that we seek in our practice is not to, is not freedom from delusion, but awareness, just you know to be aware of how much is delusion. And to, and to try to, you know, keep our balance in that way. So that, that's what I got from it.
1: No, I think that's a, a very good point. And, um, you know, and that sort of breakdown of 90%, 10% in terms of uh, of what we know, um, if we can take that seriously, um, it will keep us humble about what we think we know. and. If we can remain humble about what we think we know, we can be, um, um uh, open to the possibility of what we don't know and, uh, um, uh, uh, listen, look more attentively, right? We can learn something, uh, but only if we realize,
2: uh, that we don't know. Most things. Thank you.